Super Clash. It is the Super Clash Podcast, episode 33. I am your host, Kale. Hey, I'm Connor. And we are back for another episode, and it's I'm, go- I'm actually talking pretty fast today, and I don't know why. I think it's because you got a brain tumor. If you mean by brain tumor, I'm like riddled with anxiety and depression and I hate myself, then yes, I do have a brain tumor. It's of the mental variety. (laughs) (laughs) A mental brain tumor. Some would say it's all in your head. Man, (laughs) they're not wrong. (laughs) But telling you man after after like in my line of work it's just when you get home it's just you're just completely burned out from the day like to the point where like little things get like they irritate the shit out of you yeah like 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 maybe you're driving by uh, driving and the car in front of you is maybe going a couple miles under the speed limit that usually wouldn't bother you but at the end of the day you're like go the fucking speed limit i will destroy you i will destroy you i will I will eat your children. Oh. I will go to that middle school and eat your honor student. Oh. <laughs> but uh, no offense to honor students. Let me let me start this episode out by just saying, Connor, how are you doing? I'm okay, man. I'm just getting along. How are you? Well, as I said before, it's uh, not bad, but near the end of the day, I'm just burned out. But being here recording with you, man, it's... Uh, Feels pretty good. I'm glad seeing your face. Oh, thank you. Hashtag blessed. Oh, hashtag stressed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ouch. So Connor, uh, he's, at the time of this recording, um, a certain game uh, came out that you and I both played. Um, it's actually a game everyone is familiar with and should already have guessed: Call of Duty Vanguard. Yes. Um, yeah, we're jumping straight into this. We both bought it. I was a little bit hesitant at first because I'm generally not that big of um Call of Duty fan, and I'm not just saying saying that like the because I know it's it's easy to hate on Call of Duty. It's just like it's easy to hate on Assassin's Creed and easy to hate on Fortnite and and everything. Just just these massive, massive, um, massively IPs. popular games, um, but. I, I personally thought that Call of Duty was pretty good up until about Black Ops 2. World at War was good. Um, I th- I, what, was it Black Ops 2 after World at War? Yes. Okay. Because Black Ops 1 was after World at War. Yes, okay. I, I, I remember. I had to think about it. So, and I thought after Black Ops 2, I thought that's when the series started kind of faltering. I, I didn't really think Modern Warfare 3 was that good. Mm-mm. Um. I thought Ghosts was okay. I never really fully played through Ghosts, but um, I personally thought that they just basically made a game based around a popular character that you basically knew nothing about. He just had a cool mask. Yeah. I mean, there's also, there was Infinite Warfare, there was Advanced Warfare, and those ones just kind of blend in my head. Yeah, and I think think either Infinite Warfare and Advanced Warfare is not really well regarded, it's either one of those games, I mean, is not really well regarded in the community because they they took a lot of Titanfall DNA. They did. It was like a space shooter. Yes, which I I guess is fine. I mean, now nowadays it's one of those games where Kevin Spacey was one of the characters, and you're kind of like, oh, I didn't age well. Yeah, and I I played the remake of Modern War, not not the remake of Modern Warfare, but the 2019 Call of Duty of 
of Modern Warfare, and I played that for a little bit. I thought the campaign was okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't really leave much of an impact on me, especially I played the multiplayer for, for a little bit. Didn't leave that much of an impact with me. I only played with um, with friends. And now Vanguard comes out. They go back to World War II. Um, only this time around, you mostly play as, like, with the lack of a better description, it was almost like an inglorious bastards type of team. Yeah, like a you, ragtag team of people from different backgrounds. Yeah. And um, so, like, you had uh, British, you, British, you had Russian, you had American, and Australian. Mm-hmm. And they all have their own ca- campaign or points of the campaign, which I thought was interesting. So... And I only played the campaign as well. Haven't we? We haven't uh, delved into zombies yet, and I'm probably not going to be touch touch a multiplayer at least right now, unless Trey really wants wants us to. Yeah. Um, but before I talk about the campaign in greater detail, Connor, what did you think of the campaign? Uh, I actually enjoyed it. Um, I did too. It was uh, some of the highlights would be. I think graphically it was phenomenal looking. Mm. Like it, it looked so good. Oh yeah. Um, it led me to think that like if this is kind of a early in the console life cycle PS5 game, like dear God, what are the end of life cycle games going to be looking? Oh, like? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the sound design was awesome. I noticed that when you walk into different environments, the guns make different noises, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I I kind of noticed that as well when i uh because i was waiting for the campaign to load but zombies was immediately available so i kind of soloed a couple uh waves of zombies on my own i noticed that immediately like the gun like when you're indoors that gun is loud and it echoes and it resonates and you hear each individual shells like um or spent casings hit hit the floor and it's really well like so good yeah it it's great and Mm -hmm. i feel like the the way they told the story was interesting the entire way through. So the whole premise, without spoiling, is that the this group of uh, various soldiers from different backgrounds, as you mentioned, they are sent on a mission to retrieve um, some information about it, like a classified Nazi plan, right? Yeah. Project Phoenix, right? And um, in the middle of trying to get away with said plans they are captured by a nazi like officer uh, officer yeah like he, he's he's pretty high ranking it is pretty implied that he was basically hitler's like second in command yeah and so he captures you and he has a um a guy who's basically sent to interrogate you and so through the interrogation you find out the backstory of all these characters um which ultimately Lin ends up with them trying to break out and then kill said Nazi leader, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, and honestly, gameplay-wise, I only had one bug the entire time through. I know that, I think Trey mentioned he had a couple bugs. I did too. Um, the one mission that was bugged out for me was right at the very end, the final mission where you're playing as, um, the Russian sniper and you're supposed to clear out the like town square Mm -hmm. and it just kept infinitely spawning people and it would not. So the whole premise was 
It was supposed to spawn enemies to a point where flamethrower units came out, and then you were supposed to take out the flamethrower units. It never spawned the flamethrower units. Hmm. So I just kept sitting there just shooting people and shooting people and shooting, and nothing ever happened. I refilled my ammo multiple times, and nothing <laughs> happened. I was like, something had to be wrong here. And lo and behold, I restarted the checkpoint, and then at a certain point, um, flamethrower troops came out, and I was like, ah, I was supposed to kill them and then progress forward. So Nice. Yeah. Hey, but yeah, um, so oh, I want to go back to that to that um, uh, last mission later. But some of the bugs that I encountered was like um, enemy models kind of frozen standing up, even though after I killed them, um, which didn't really bother me that much. I kind of got a, a nice close look at at them, and they're pretty detailed for for enemy models. Um, and an invisible ally on a uh, half track machine gun, but. Other than that, it ran really smooth. Um, I didn't discover the 120 re- refresh or the 120 mode, whereas I think it's at 120 frames per second. Yeah, it's the refresh rate. Yeah, the refresh rate mm-hmm. until maybe the second to last mission because I didn't think my um, my TV could handle it. But I did some Googling and my Q80T does support 120 hertz refresh rate. And that ga- and oh my gosh, at 120, it is butter smooth. Yeah, and like, um, from a te- from a technical standpoint, this game is really good. Oh yeah, uh, which which is saying a lot for kind of a you can argue kind of a stale series because they just they just keep pumping them out. You can argue that they're pretty stale, but hey, with new with um new hardware, they can do a whole lot a whole lot of things with it. Um, like the adaptive triggers, the adaptive and stuff. triggers, which which changed. Um, which at least the uh, the left one changed depending on the weight of your gun. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, uh, so the cinematics were also oh, speaking of cinematics, I did have another uh bug to where the sound was out of sync with the cinematics, which was a little bit distracting, mm-hmm. especially as as well acted and um directed these uh, cinematics are. They are they're really well done and they're super intriguing. Um. So what going back to the last mission though I thought was I think my favorite of the campaign because that last mission was designed to utilize each character's strengths um and it it's basically like almost the final test um of your knowledge of these characters because all the levels leading up to the last mission was basically showing you these characters and their abilities. This is this is something that's kind of new to the Call of or the um, I guess the Call of Duty series because each character has their own unique abilities that kind of separates them from the others. So you have Arthur, who who is a lieutenant, and I think a lieutenant, mm-hmm. or or he's a commander, and so um, his missions are all about um, directing your squads to. To create distract distractions and flank, you have um, uh, the the Russian sniper Lady Nightingale, as as they call her, and one of her abilities is that when she's crouched, she moves a lot quicker through cr- through crawl spaces. It's it's almost like it almost makes you dizzy how smooth she 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 crawls through those um, crawl spaces. Yeah, um, and then you have um, the Australian who is the demolitions expert. And he and he can he can carry four of each equipment, yeah. as opposed to two. And then you have the American, 
who like can hyper focus on enemies and quick snap and kill a whole bunch of enemies and in he a can short fly amount planes of time. and he can fly planes yeah and so and so the last mission is just they they go seamlessly from character to character and they you and you utilize everything that you learned in the campaign to complete the final mission i thought that was really cool from a design standpoint oh yeah um Another like nice touch I noticed. So I have a Mosin Nagant personally, and I, it came- I I'm still yet to fire that thing, but it's so much fun. Yeah. Um. So it came with an original uh equipment set um from World War Two, and so it came with uh, a couple ammo pouches and an oil can. And I noticed in the game when you're first introduced to the Nightingale, you see one of the oil cans is sitting on the counter. It's identical to the one I have. And then at the very end, when the uh, commander throws Nightingale more ammo, um, the ammo pack he throws is identical to the ones that I have. That's really cool. So it's a nice little like historical detail that mm-hmm. you know that most people may might have overlooked, but it was kind of nice. Um, but I did have one thing I wanted to discuss about this, and it was something that kind of irritated me before the game launched, and it was comments saying. I'm not going to play this because this is Call of Duty Gone Woke. Oh, my God. You know what? They, they, <laughs> they said the same thing with Battlefield 5. And let's... Which which I, I guess I can... I, at first, I kind of understood um, a little bit at first with the Battlefield 5 because Battlefield kind of regarded itself as a more serious um, first-person shooter. I eventually just said, you know what, it's a video game. You kind of kind of, got to kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit. There is nothing that happened in this game that I would say is so far-fetched that it couldn't have happened. Uh, other than, you know, like, like getting shot a bunch of times and, you know, video game logic shit, right? But story-wise, I don't think there's anything that could have prevented something like this from happening. The- there, there's a scene where um, a group of white soldiers... Inter- or uh, actually, I guess just should say two white soldiers. Well, one's Hispanic, one's white. Whatever, doesn't matter. They encounter um, a platoon of all black soldiers, which existed during World War Two. Yes, uh, Google the ninety third Infantry. Yes, it was. It was a. I I looked this up too because I was curious. It's real. Um, it it was a segregated um platoon that served in World War Two. Yeah, it, it was a real thing, and Russia was so the idea of having a a female sniper does not does not seem far-fetched to me with russia because russia was so desperate at a certain point Mm -hmm. they were fighting with farm tools like you don't think that a female would have picked up a gun and started like fighting as well like they were desperate and 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 to further make that point um Stalin and Hitler, like they, they basically at at the beginning of World War Two, to my knowledge, they signed a pact of peace for ten years, and they and they said, I think they said something like they'll take over the world together, but we have a pact of of peace for ten years, mm-hmm. and Hitler ultimately broke that promise by invading uh, the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and Stalin was so heartbroken that he shut himself away for like three or four weeks with and with no direction of of how to handle this and so it makes sense from especially from that standpoint that the citizens had to do something yeah so i you're right and so the whole premise that this thing went woke 
it just honestly boils down to when I read a comment like that, it's either you're incredibly uneducated or you're horribly bigoted and you saw a you saw a black person and you saw a, a woman and you said oh it went woke and i guess a hispanic person there's a hispanic person yes which also probably would have happened you know like people you do realize just how many countries were involved in world war Two. like like people forget like yeah australia was involved canada was involved and here's the thing Across the sphere of all World War II video games, which there are a ton at this point, these stories have been told. I would rather hear about a a platoon of all black soldiers completing an awesome mission or something than, mission was so cool. than anything that has already been said before. Mm-hmm. Why not tell some more untold stories of you know the war and stuff like that? So to me... I enjoyed every bit of it. I thought all the characters were awesome in their own ways. I especially love the Australian, his like oh, devil they, may care attitude about yeah. everything. You know, I think his name's Lucas and he was great. Um, but they were all awesome characters. Um, and I think the point of their missions, like their background missions, is that you learned more about them and you understood like how they came to be in the position they're in now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and also, like, what's what's also really fun about this game, too, is you get to shoot Nazis. Yeah, who doesn't like that? And and w- I think we've established that, just like zombies, Nazis aren't people. No. No. Like, get at me. Prove me wrong that zo- that Nazis aren't people. Or, just, let, prove me wrong that, yeah, prove me wrong that zombies, that, let me, let me say that again. <laughs> I'm getting my, I'm getting all uh, tongue twisted. Prove me wrong that Nazis aren't people. I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, like, I'm I am glad that I that I played this game. Um, I had a good time. There um Call of Duty still has pretty good achievements. Like th- like, oh get something I'm gonna go for is get fifteen kills while uh, while blind firing. Mm. Stuff like that. Like like fun to obtain type of achievements. And I'm going to basically do what I can in the campaign and maybe play some zombies if you and Trey are up for it. But once I kind of had my fill, I'm going to have to delete it from my hard drive because there's two major drawbacks with this game. And that's 200 gigabytes of space. That is massive. And always online. Like there, there is a notification that you need to have an online connection. Which I think is a little bit shitty. I went ahead and uh, I actually already deleted the campaign because you can delete it individually from the rest of the game. Okay. And so I did that just to free up a little space for now. Mm-hmm. Was it like it? Would you, how much uh, space did you free up if you had to ballpark? I think it was somewhere between like fifteen to twenty gigs. I guess that's not bad. And but I don't. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't think. The game itself, when you initially install it, I don't think it is 20 gigs. Or, sorry, I don't think it's 200 gigs. I think, because it says on the box it's supposed to be 194 is what it wants you to have. And I don't think that it is that. I think when it says that on there, it's including uh, the the game, which has multiplayer and zombies, the story, and then probably Warzone, I would have to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because Warzone, if I recall, was a huge ass download. So I bet all three of those pieces together make it around that 200 mark. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. But something I wish that they would implement in the next Call of Duty is choosing like what to install. Like if you just want to play the campaign, um, like just you can just download the campaign and zombies. You don't have to download Warzone. It's like I think that could essentially make the next game, if it's even bigger, um, a little bit easier to swallow. If if they would just open up that option to uh, to choose what to download, and so the menu design was weird to me. It was so the menu design on it. For those who have not looked at it, it has um, Vanguard and all of its things in it. You know, multiplayer, zombies, campaign, right? And then it had Warzone. It had uh, Cold War, and then it had the most recent Modern Warfare, all on this one thing, and you could select between them. And now the only way that that menu would work and make sense is if you had all of those games installed at once, which I don't even think is physically possible with a base PS5. No, no way. I don't think you could have all four of those games installed at once. Mm -mm. So... And if you did, you would literally have to have nothing else. No no Netflix app, no... Like, I only play Call of Duty. That is all I do. Which, is, that's fine, but why? There's, yeah. there's, there's great games out there, guys. Yeah. So, I might give it a little bit more time and uh, probably play with some zombies for a little bit. Unless we get... Unless it's a lot of fun with, with three people and then I might stick it on for a little bit longer, but... I really need to finish uh, Far Cry 6 mm-hmm. and Resident Evil 8, and I've been wanting to jump back into Returnal okay. and just truly try to try to beat that, and there's just all these games I want to play, and unfortunately, this Call of Duty is just, it's just, it's just too big. It's yeah. just too big. I'd like to sit down and try to beat some of the co-op games that we've started and need to finish. Yes. I, I was talking to you about that earlier today, segue, 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 um, Outriders. Yeah. It's like I remember buying that game. We've only played maybe two or three hours of it, and we haven't touched yeah. it since. And that's just because of the grenade happy AI and the uh, the cameraman who's basically having a seizure. Yeah. So I hope they've maybe patched some things since then. You mm-hmm. know, there's been some time. Uh, additionally, what I'd kind of like to do, just so I can just cross it off my list of games, is go back and beat Far Cry New Dawn just to be done with that one. Yeah. And then, you know, just so we know, we have a conclusion to that. And then maybe go and continue playing Far Cry 6 some mm-hmm. more. Um, But yeah, I really do want to get back to that. Um, So you said you played another game, right? Recently, you played Resident Evil? Yeah, I played a little bit of Resident Evil. I don't want to go into, into spoilers that much because all I'll say right now is that I've killed three of the four... Uh, bosses that you meet at the beginning and there's something something that that happens with the last boss that you that um that you're supposed to fight it kind of goes in a different direction i don't want to really want to say anything because i feel like um saying something it would spoil it so i yeah. i kind of want to wait until you have a chance to play it i need to beat like the last like mission and a half i have left of resident evil 7 yeah and, and i'll hop into that and one. and that's on my list too like Playing this game makes you want to go back to Resident Evil 7 mm. so I can kind of get a better idea of the character of Ethan Winters and what he goes through because I know that 
Resident Evil 8 takes place three years after the events of Resident Evil 7. Yeah. And now that I'm playing, I, I and I'm playing Resident Evil 8 on casual because I just want to ex- to experience the game. Yeah. And I want to go back to Resident Evil 7 play on casual so I can experience the game and the horrors uh, of that game. And so I so I got that to beat and just more Far Cry 6. So hmm. I uh I played some more Doki Doki Literature Club. Okay. Um so there's apparently 6 DLC uh levels. I've beat two and I started a third one, um, but I only have four unlocked. So I think the other two, I'm going to have to actually go back and kind of um, not replay the story, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, Good question. Have you been playing this on PS5 or Switch? Or... Uh, PS5. Gotcha. I bought my wife a copy for Switch, so I'm hoping that she starts it soon. She I've might been, be up all night. I've been trying to keep her away from spoilers, but she keeps like... Watching like Game Grumps videos where they played it, and I'm like, stop doing that because it's ruining the moment, you know. Um, I kind, I kind of, without knowing, um, I kind of spoiled a supposedly really big scare in Resident Evil Eight mm. for me, and I kind of had to stop watching all Resident Evil Eight media after that because, yeah. yeah. But um, the the missions so far, not missions, but l- the extra chapters in Doki Doki Literature Club. They kind of um, they take place before the events of the game, so they're more of like a prequel thing, mm-hmm. and they give more backstory about the main characters and how they came to know each other and how they came to be part of this club. And honestly, like I was, I was almost like moved to tears during one of them. Um, you know, without spoiling too much, one of the characters. Um, is suffering from like real bad depression and mm. she's one of those people um and i'm sure there's a lot of people like this that don't really want to talk about it they just kind of want someone to be there mm-hmm. and there's this really heartfelt moment where two of the characters just kind of like hug and they don't they say like a couple words and then nothing else and it's just kind of like a wordless like understanding of like i'm here for you and i'm like damn that hit me you know like and I wasn't expecting it from from this game, which has been more of like a a, a shock, emotional horror kind of game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I started the other one. I didn't get very far into it, but there's two that I'm missing. But the good thing about visual novels, if you've never played a visual novel, is a lot of them offer a skip functionality. So when you hop into okay. a game, you can like hit skip if you want, and it'll just do, 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 fast forward through the game up until the point where there's a dialogue option. And you can make a dialogue option, and then if the you know the story continues on still the same, you can hit skip and it'll go through it. And then eventually it'll hit a point where the story branches differently, and then you, know, you don't have to skip anymore. You can just play down that branch of the story, right? Um, so that's probably what I need to do because... Um, there were only four of the six things unlocked. And the thing that it said on the DLC menu was that, you know, you have to um, write poems that are more tailored to certain characters to unlock more of the missions. Hmm. So I'm going to try doing an opposite approach that I did before and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to play more. I want to play through and at least beat the main game and then... 
probably just maybe watch my wife play it because I do want to see how she reacts to it. Nice, nice. So, so it's, it it is on my list of games to play. I am interested in it. Um, it's it's on sale at GameFly right now. Like you, um, you were texting me today, and it and just it, came out. Yeah, you you were um. Not just texting me, but texting the our group of friends saying that Gamefly at the moment is having a used game sale, and I think it's like thirty four dollars right now on Gamefly. No, it's cheaper than that. Thirty four is the retail price. Okay, I think it was like twenty. Oh wow. Okay, but I'm thinking Death Stranding, the director's yeah. cut, yeah, which which is something I've been interested in now. Now that uh, that the director's cut has a few. Um, tools to kind of help new players get going um in death stranding so um with what little time i have that's that's a big help for me and so i'm really interested in that now um i've always been interested i just don't have the time but connor uh i want to kind of switch gears here and i I was kind of thinking about this today about the success of of grand theft auto 5 and how there's always like new content being um pumped out um for gta 5 and especially i think it was delayed recently but we're getting gta 5 again on these modern consoles and so like it came out on on the xbox 360 and ps3 it was re-released with new with new features on the ps4 and the xbox one and it's being released again on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, only this time, to my knowledge, there's really not that. There's almost nothing, nothing different about it other than higher fidelity. Mm-hmm. And there's always these rumors about GTA 6, GTA 6. And honestly, I don't think it's go- it's coming anytime soon, because with the exception of Red Dead Redemption, like I don't think Rockstar is really interested in making games anymore. They're ju- they're just looking at making new content for GTA Five because GTA Five has made them a shit load of money. It is the like you may need to look this up, but GTA Five is probably the highest grossing video game of all time as a result. It was at one point. I know Minecraft was up there too, but yeah, yeah. And they like Rockstar and Take Two. I think who owns Rockstar has made billions of dollars off this game and i think that's what's essentially keeping rockstar from really cracking down and focusing on making maybe new red dead redemption content or maybe gta 6 because it's safer to keep making new content for gta 5 and push these microtransactions and just keep making the money and it got me thinking about like three major companies, so like EA, Activision, Ubisoft, Take Two, Two K. I guess that's five. Um, and I could argue that even though there are good games being pumped out, I almost want to say that the game industry is kind of stagnant because of these um, major companies, these major publishers that have the money to mass market these games, want to keep implementing these microtransactions and these live service games or the potential talks of nfts and yes and i don't want to say gaming is dead because i i think i think that's um too absolute i don't think it's dead um but it it i will say that it's like it's it's kind of hitting a low point right now with with these major companies um square enix 
recently came out and said that Marvel Avengers did not perform well because they they said that Crystal Dynamics was not fit for the live service model. Mm. Which to me it got, it got me a little bit angry and um and the thing thing is like no it's not that Crystal Dynamics wasn't fit to make this game the problem was it was the live service model why are you making an Avengers game a live service to begin with it should now, never have been it should no, have been a single and, story and I understand I understand Connor that you enjoyed the game for what it was but if we if we look at in comparison with Crystal Dynamics Guardian of the Galaxy game, which is getting pretty decent reviews, yeah. that's not a live service game. That has no microtransactions. Look at the difference there. Like Crystal Dynamics is more than capable of making a good uh Marvel game. Just just like Insomniac is more than capable. Like look at Spider Man. It's the problem is is the live service model. When you when you start putting money first and making as much money as as possible for a video game is when your game suffers. Yeah. Like I can't I can't really think of any live service game that was really a, a that big of a financial success. Destiny, yeah, for a little bit, but people started dropping off of that. Anthem was a financial disaster. Yeah. Um what else? Um Marvel Avengers was isn't doing too well. Um, it's like the, the, it's because they don't want they don't want to make their money and move on. They want to make their money and then keep making their money and residuals off of the you know just all like the little extras and games and because stuff. it's safer. Because because I will admit, um, I think at the time, GTA Five was the most expensive game ever made. But they've more than made up. Oh, absolutely, then. and and I'm I'm just gonna throw out, throw out a a number out out there of how much it was to make GTA Five. I want to say like five hundred million dollars. Once once you put in uh, the engine, the story, uh, online, all the dialogue that's in the game, five like five hundred million five hundred million dollars, and I get it from a business standpoint. That is a big risk. Yeah. But if you're Take Two Interactive and you're worth forty billion dollars, five hundred million dollars is a drop in the bucket for you. I'm sorry, like people, you do realize just how big a billion a billion is, right? It's enormous. Um, I I want to say if you were to do, um, if you if you were to count from one to a billion with one second in between, so one Mississippi, two Mississippi, it would take you. Decades, decades to do it. A million takes you seventeen days. Just, just, just to kind of give you a a comparison of just how big these numbers are. Yeah, it's. I think it's just one of those things where you know, uh, for a good example is Skyrim, right? Like Skyrim, are they ever going to make another Elder Scrolls? Who knows? They they they've announced Elder Scrolls Six, but. That that announcement was like three years ago. Yeah, it's. I mean, that game's been out since what twenty eleven? I think is when it came. Twenty eleven. Yep. That's that's the the anniversary at the time of this recording is in uh two days. Yeah. So basically, a ten year old game, and they still have been porting it, and they just announced another uh remaster of it for PS five and Series X. So it's like, <sighs> I kind of just 
I don't know. I think they're just trying to like live off the coattails of their previous successes. And to me, that's really sad because, um, because the, these these games to where like they're milking the shit out of, like they're not leaving much of an impact for people. At least at least for me, not that much of an impact. Um, I never played Anthem, but to my knowledge, um, Anthem kind of just fell into obscurity. Yeah. Um, did did Marvel's Avengers ever like leave that big of an impact for you? Um, I I do want to go back and play it. Um, but I don't know. I I probably would say no. Yeah. Um, and like when when we look at like if if so if someone were to ask me, um, what game left the biggest impact for you i would say the last of us series Mm -hmm. um bioshock the first bioshock um insomniac spider-man um the mass effect series like the Mm -hmm. first three mass effects it's like those were games to where they they every single uh, person involved put their time and effort in, in into that game to make to make it as good as possible. Not to say that these developers didn't do it for the live service games; they they worked with what they had. But ultimately, it just it it just didn't work. Yeah. Um. In the long term, I think one thing that would help a lot of these. I am not opposed to re-releasing and adding additional content for existing games. I just think there needs to be more time in between. You can't release the same game every single console generation, one after the other. What should have happened is, um, you know, just I, I'll give I'll give a pass, right, to the PS4, Xbox One version of GTA Five because it did come so close to the launch of new consoles. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. And I, they made a lot of really good um, decisions with the additional horsepower they had on those new consoles. I get it. Now, don't release um, GTA Five again until whatever the next console generation is. Just skip a generation. You should because... It's still easy enough to go back and play those games. They still look good enough. Like, there's no... Someone like me is not going to go buy another copy of GTA Five or another copy no. of Skyrim or another this or another another copy of Resident Evil 4 or all those games are ported a thousand times and they're ported every single generation, one after the other. Let them rest for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. Let people build up that nostalgia of, oh man, I really remember playing such and such game. I really remember that. And I think that to build off your point of lasting impact, I think a lot of these games don't have a lasting impact anymore because they're just constantly re-released all the time. Mm-hmm. Every console generation gets a remaster of it. You know, there's not enough time that passes by for you to develop any like sense of nostalgia or, oh, I want to go back and revisit that, you know? Yeah, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you, and I I couldn't say it any better myself, honestly, man. But <clears throat> yeah, if you want to segue to something different, uh, I watched Squid Games. Okay, yes, uh, let's let's shift gears here because <laughs> uh, let's 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 uh, talk about something a bit more positive. 
Well, if you want to call it positive, it's a as very posi- dark well, show. As, as po- positive as Squid Game gets, because I haven't seen much of Squid Game, um, because my wife and her friend who came over to visit a couple of weeks ago, they watched it for a little bit, and it was playing when I was walking through the door, um, just getting home from work. But they seemed to enjoy what they watched. Yeah. Um, I would say, okay, so what I'm going to say about it is uh, a spoiler-free opinion on it because, or, sorry, a spoiler-free synopsis followed by my opinion on it because I don't want to ruin it for you. Um, so a, a brief synopsis is that the takes place in South Korea, and there is a main character who is down on his luck, without money, kind of at a very low point in his life, right? And someone approaches him and asks him to play a game, and he plays a game with this person, and uh, eventually uh, wins the game. And so the guy gives him a card and says, if you want to play games again and earn even more money, you know, just reach out to me. Right. Um. Eventually, he decides to go with it, and he enters a room with, um, I believe, 456 people. And he is number 456, I believe. And uh, number one is this old man. Um, So you get to kind of see all the different characters. So the very first game happens. It is based on a child's game. I'll try not to spoil too much. Um, But the punishment for failing said game is you're shot to death. Mm -hmm. So... um, what I kind of expected from this show was that it was going to be like the plot hole of I expected a plot hole of the story to be that these characters were so blinded by greed or need that they would, you know, even after seeing people die, still want to continue with the game. But the reality of the situation is a vast, not a vast majority, but a majority of them are like, fuck it. I'm out after seeing all these people die. And I'm like, wow, that's a very human response to that situation. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the story progresses on um, and you develop these connections with these characters. Um, you you kind of get a you, you have the immigrant character who is trying to have a better life um, for him and his wife and child. You have obviously the main character. You have this. A young woman who uh, escaped from North Korea and is trying to take care of her little brother while also bringing her mom back to South Korea. And then you have um, the old man uh, who has a brain tumor. No no spoilers. You find that out like immediately. Um, And so he's there just because, you know. What has he got to lose? Exactly. And then the, the final like what I would consider to be like one of the main group uh, is a guy who was, he was like the the smartest successful guy in their town who went off to America. And then he basically, uh, I think he did like money laundering or something. Like he, he was in a lot of trouble. Like the police were after him and he's like in a ton of debt. Right. Mm. Um, so that's why he, he's there. And then you have a mix of different people such as, you know, like there's basically a person who's like, a mafia guy and a bunch of other different people. Right. Right. And so each of the games is a childhood game. And along the way, you kind of see these characters go through the strange emotional struggle of like, like I, 
we, we should team up and I don't want to hurt anybody or, you know, all these different thoughts that would go through your head on this. Like, I don't want other people to die, but I also don't want to die too, right? Right. And the story goes in some interesting ways. There's a big, very big plot twist at the end um, that kind of lets you know who um, has been running this whole thing um, and their reasoning behind running this thing. And you think that at the very end, it's going to be all over. Um, and this is not really a spoiler either, but they kind of leave it sort of open-ended. Uh, but they did uh, announce recently that there's going to be a season two. So Interesting. Obviously, it isn't over, right? No. Um, even though it was left kind of ambiguous at the end. Uh, I, I honestly would say watch it. It's really gruesome. It's very emotional at times, and it goes to some very dark places, but overall, it's it's pretty good. I definitely recommend just reading the subtitles. I know, I know, there's a whole segment of the world out there that has to have it dubbed in their language, but trust me when I say you will miss a lot um, by watching the dub versus the sub. I almost feel like you wouldn't get... All the emotions if you if you watch the dubbed rather than the subbed. You don't get the same emotions. And in addition, um, the translations are different. Because they have to... When you, when you dub something, you have to make whatever language you're talking in, so like in English, you have to make the English words approximately match the speech uh, in Korean, right? Mm-hmm. And... It's not always going to work. Like, what if the English word is three syllables and the Korean word is two, right? Or or one. So you have to kind of flub the words a little bit and change up the sentences. And sometimes you lose context in that. Um, uh, there was a few examples I saw floating around online about how one character has, like, a catchphrase that she says all the time. And... It's different in the dub version, right? Really? Yeah. So, anyway, really interesting show. Definitely worth your time. I know there's a lot of hype around it, and sometimes hype scares people away from things. You mm-hmm. know, you don't want to be on the bandwagon watching the popular thing or whatever. You just put that aside, and if you don't want to be part of the cultural zeitgeist, then just don't talk about it. Just watch it, enjoy it, and then just right. don't talk about it. Um, it's kind of how it was with uh, Midnight Mass. I know Midnight Mass got a lot of. Um, I still need to watch that. They got a lot of hype, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's it'll stay on Netflix. I know it's a limited series, um, but I personally enjoyed it a lot. And so, um, one thing that kind of made me interested in Squid Game, aside from the episodes that my wife and her friend was watching, was just the color of, yeah. of the, like. It's super bright, and like I was really interested in in how that uh, show is shot. Yeah. So. And there's definitely some storylines that don't get conclusions in it, um, which I would like to see some sort of resolution to in the second mm-hmm. season. So I am looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that because of the success, they get a much bigger budget on the next one, and they can mm-hmm. kind of do whatever the hell they want. Right. Um, so. So that'd be cool. But yeah. So, all right, cool. So, is there anything else you need to talk about, Connor? Need to? I don't need to talk or about Or want anything. to? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of with me, too. I th- I feel like we've kind of 
went over all of the um kind of the stuff that we wanted to do or wa- or wanted to talk about I should say and I know that you're you've had a pretty busy day and I've kind of had a pretty busy day and I'm just gonna go cry after so that's all right. right. Do you mind if I cry with you? It'd be a group cry. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. There's a closet right there. We can just cry in it together. Oh boy! No, no one can hear our uh, our muffled uh, wails and sobs and <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. So we're gonna go cry, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.